everyone's so busy keeping up. Forget about the Joneses, we all on our telephones. With the texts and the tweets and the beats, what he said, she said, can't even follow the three. Down the hole, we all go. Me, I like keeping up too, with my corona and my attitude. That's La Vida Masfina. Relax responsibly. Corona Extra Beer. Imported by Crown Imports, Chicago, Illinois. I've been waiting all week to ask you about Carlos Correa. Tell me what you think about the big deal. Well, I was gobsmacked when it first happened. I think I was actually pulling into my garage at like 1 a.m. when uh, they said the Twins are just reaching agreement with Carlos Correa. I was like, no, they mispronounced Trevor's story. <laughs> and so I run into the house and I turn on the computer and yeah, it happened. They had reached an agreement with Carlos Correa, this two-time all-star, this uh, multifaceted um, cornerstone shortstop who makes everybody better. I was like, holy moly. So I'm Phil Miller actually went to bed early. The Twins beat writer. Well, he's old. Of course he went Phil, to bed early. No, Phil is a night owl. He stays up to 2 or 3 o'clock every morning. He happened to be wiped out that night and cashed in at 11. I couldn't find Megan Ryan. I was like, I got to write something. So um, I tried to throw some, some graphs together for our website. And then I got stopped by Ken Chia, our copy editor. Well, you know that an a, a editor has to approve this. You know, because when you use sources, you have yes. to get them. Because right. I, I had a source approve it at 1230 in the morning. You know, so I had the story. It's just sitting there. And it's not even posted yet. And the copy desk made me believe that they had already called, like, our sports editor and the managing editor for approval. I never heard back from them. What happened was they sent them a Slack message. You know, and death by Slack message. At one o'clock in the morning, you gotta make the phone call. Yeah. You gotta wake them up because that's why they get paid the big box. You know, so no one. So it was a breakdown of communication. Story never got up overnight. Oh, I was pissed. So, but anyway, uh, just an incredible signing for even if he's there for a year, it's just an amazing signing for them to get um, the top free agent player on the market um, in Major League Baseball. Um, it makes him instantly better. It gives him offense and defense is short. Uh, it gives him a guy who's won World Series, who can be a leader in the clubhouse, because I was worried about the leadership void after losing Donaldson and uh, Nelson Cruz. And that, I was like, well, Buxton has to be the leader now. I mean, can he stay on the field? But now plus, have, plus, he's a quiet guy. Yeah. I don't know if he's ever going to play that role. Absolutely. And you can have spiritual leaders. You can have leaders by example. I think Buck would be more of a leader by example. But Correa could be the spiritual leader, and that's going to help everybody in that clubhouse. So I think it just it really helps the Twins out in so many different areas. And um, the excitement was palatable because over the next week, uh, the Twins sold 100,000 tickets uh, after news of the Correa signing um, was, was announced. So um, it's going to be very interesting to see what that lineup looks like with Correa in it. Um, and it's going to be very interesting to see um, if the Twins could add, add on to that in terms of starting pitching. And we will get into all the Twins' issues. We'll talk about some other sports 
Uh, he's Lavelle Neal from the Star Tribune and TalkNorth.com. I'm Jim Suhan, also from the Star Tribune and TalkNorth.com. This is our Chin Music baseball show from TalkNorth.com. Usually we, we have Roy Smalley as well. He ended up uh, having to go to Arizona for some family time. It would have been a great week to talk to him, but we'll catch up with him next week. Uh, and great thing about Roy is when he comes to live shows, he brings a bat and actually demonstrates stuffer. We're not going to try that. Um, no. But we are doing a live show at 11 Wells Distillery in St. Paul. Uh, it is 704 Minnehaha Avenue. Of course, you're just going to GPS it anyway. It's easy to find, free parking. Great big space we're in right now, lit up beautifully. Uh, back room bar, uh, combination town hall and speakeasy with great Minnesota distilled beverages. Uh, my wife is having an old fashioned right now. Uh, we have some stuff to give away. The Minnesota 13 whiskey that Lavelle and I like so much. We also have the straight wheat whiskey. I actually haven't tried that yet, but I'm mm -hmm. sure it's good. Uh, Lavelle and I both really like the rum. I really like the coffee, the liqueur. Yep. They have all kinds of stuff. So we have a mic set up to our right. If you ask a, a question, you then get to come up and you get to pick either a $25 gift certificate to 11 Wells, a tour for up to six people of the 11 Wells Distillery. Lavelle and I both had the tour. It's really fascinating. You really get to see how they make everything from scratch. A, an 11 Wells t-shirt, an 11 Wells jersey. And we also have some cool stickers. Feel free to add that on to your loot as you come up. Again, ask a live question, come up, grab whatever you like. We do appreciate you being here. Thanks very much. Uh, so we're just really basic. Where does Korea fit in the lineup? And is he, you know, given that Rocco loves to rest people, are they going to sign this guy for all this money and then rest him two days a week, or will they just let him play every day? Well, you know, the Rocco thing about rest and recovery is being copied by managers across baseball. You're seeing uh, players get time off more than ever. They're getting coddled more than ever. Um, we're going to have probably nap rooms across in, in every clubhouse in America here pretty soon, uh, thanks to uh, Nelson Cruz and Josh Donaldson. So it's going to be hard to get around around that. But, yeah, you would want Korea to play at least 150 games, which is unheard of in today's baseball because managers are worried about running these guys down into the ground. But Correa is 27 years old. He's in his prime. He, he, this is the time that you ride that horse as far as you can unless he says he needs a day off. You do not give him a day off. You, you bat him third or fourth in the lineup. Um, I've been wondering what the Twins lineup is going to look like. Uh, Rocco's been batting Buxton leadoff. A lot of these spring training games, I'm wondering if he's going to do that during the regular season. I would imagine, excuse me a second, <coughs> I would imagine that uh, Jorge Polanco would bat second and then maybe Correa slots in third. And then the days that Luis Arise are, is in the lineup as well, I would imagine he'd be somewhere in the top three spots and maybe Correa drops down to fourth. So, But um, the potential of the lineup is fascinating because... Um, uh, because you have Polanco coming off a good year. You, you want, Buxton is a great offensive player who just needs to stay on the field. Correa is a top-notch offensive player. Um, uh, it looks like Max Kepler is having a good spring, and he is in line to be a, a bounce-back player. And Alex Kirilov, who is a fine offensive prospect, um, is healthy after having wrist, wrist problems last year, and he's going to be a factor in our lineup as well. So it could be a very, very functional lineup. And... You know, I said this about Joe Morrow, I'll say it about Correa. He'll probably be the fulcrum of that offense that it, they will build around him and uh, to, to produce runs and be a factor in the AL Central. You, Roy and I have talked a lot about uh, the resting of players. And I always say, listen, I, I understand where Rocco's coming from. He, he, Rocco's really smart. Falvey's really smart. But I 
think they've gotten too far ahead of themselves in this one. And I don't want everything we talk about to be based on anecdotes and our own experience, but man, we covered Puckett. You know, we covered players who they found a way to perform on a daily basis. And, you know, Molitor, Molitor, I remember Molitor getting his 3,000th hit at the end of a season where he played every day and he was ticked off the next day. And they're out of contention. They're in Kansas City in September or whatever. And he was ticked off. He wouldn't line up the That's next day. That's when we first met. Yeah, that's right. I was covering the Royals at that time. That's we, right. Yep. So Molitor hit his 3,000 career hit the same day as the Knobloch got his 1,000. That's right. Exactly. Yeah. And, and I think the rest somebody before they get too tired uh, strategy makes a lot of sense for somebody who isn't really a great player, you know, who who probably is best off avoiding certain pitching matchups, is probably best off getting some regular rest, you know, getting to spend a day with the video, all that. But man, the great players, they find a way. And they, they are built to find a way to excel on a daily basis. I don't think taking it away from them is a good idea. Jim, Carlos Correa had a 7.2 war last year, which is that damn geeky statistic that helps define a player's overall impact on a roster, okay? If a guy is a 7.2 war player, which puts him in the top, like, 5% in the league, you want that SOB in the lineup as much as possible. And giving him rest just because you're worried about how he's going to feel in September, I think is you're hurting yourself in the short term, thinking that he's going to be just better off in the long term. No doubt. Uh, thanks to our producer, Brandon Morton. He's stage left, uh, handles all this stuff for us. We do appreciate it. I want to let you know the best way to listen to this show or the network. Subscribe to your favorite podcast app. It's free. It's easy. You can always find this show and all the shows and the archives at TalkDork.com. Outdoor content, variety content. I think the best sports lineup in town. Uh, just great people up and down our lineup. Uh, I want to thank our sponsors, Eleven Wells Distillery, uh, Corona, which is the official import beer sponsor of the Minnesota Twins, Memorial Blood Centers, Better Edge, and Perfect Ash. We'll tell you more about them later. So what does the Correa signing do to the team's actual prospects? Because as much as I love that they have Correa, and I, I can see him having a big impact in a lot of ways, they don't have a lot of proven pitching. Does Correa put them over the top, give them a fighting chance? How would you phrase it? Uh, I think they get a fighting chance because of Correa in the lineup. Um, the if you want to look at the overall roster, they're still short of probably at least one. Some people were argue two starting pitchers. And in my mind, they really don't have a closer. I would love to see Taylor Rogers more in a setup role than be relied on in the ninth inning. So I was hoping in addition to trading for Frankie Montas, they would get the, the A's closer, um, Lou Trevino, as well, and put him in a ninth inning role. But it looks like we're going to see Rocco rotate, probably Rogers most of the time, but you may see Duffy a little bit in the ninth inning role. You may see... Um, Jorge Akla, who continues to make incremental improvements, you know, uh, in his young career, uh, pitching the ninth. And what's transpiring here, and the Twins official told me this about a week, a week and a half ago, um, they have a prospect named uh, Yohan Duran, who is a fine starting pitching prospect. The only problem is that Duran has not thrown more than 120 innings in a major league season, a minor league season. And so there's some concern that he may just have to be a reliever. Well, Duran as a reliever could throw 100 miles an hour. And he's got this funky pitch that no one else throws called the splinker. It's a split-fingered sinker. You're making that up. No, I'm not making it up at all. It's true. It's true. I've seen it, and I've seen Josh Donaldson two years ago try to hit it and then look out to the mind going, what the hell did you just throw me? And so... Um, okay, what's a splinker? A split-fingered sinker. So it has split-fingered ac action as well as a sinking action. So I think it drops straight down and then also veers off to probably, probably his glove side. 
So um, it's, it's a hard picture to describe. You have to see it in, in person. So it's, it's pretty interesting. And plus, since his other pitches, his curveball, and his changeup are still works in progress, they're thinking that he could be effective in the bullpen right off the bat. You have to remember that rosters are going to be expanded to 28 players for the first month of the season. Duran could be part of that bullpen right away. And the way it was explained to me was that Duran could start in the, rota- in the bullpen and maybe go down to St. Go over to St. Paul and then stretch out to be a starter. I'm like, the kid has never more, thrown more than 120 innings in minor league season. I don't know if, if he's ready uh, to be able to be a starter in Major League Baseball for a full season. I like to see what he can do as a closer. Um, but if he's a factor, that really helps their last, their late inning um, relief core. So um, I, I, I still have issues with the pitching, but the, the offense looks like it should be on point this year. Kepler looks really good in spring training. He's a bounce-back candidate. Um, if, if, they, if they just trade for Montas, I would give them a, a real chance of being able to sneak into the playoffs because, you know, the playoffs are expanded this year. Six teams in each league make the postseason. And uh, if the twin, any team, that means if any team's over 500 or maybe near 500, they could be within sniffing distance of a postseason berth. So um, if they add a guy like Montas to the rest of the rotation, I think that really helps their chances in AL Central. What are the odds of them doing that? Well, it's up to the A's. I'm going to talk out of both sides of my neck here, but uh, the recent stories are that the A's are going to slow play this and think that if they hold on to these guys, um, Montas and their left-hander, Sean Manea, to the trade deadline, then player teams will be more desperate and give them a better package, which was cold to me that they haven't heard an offer that they didn't like, they, they, they liked, and no one's really been willing to overpay. Um, are we comfortable with the tw- Twins overpaying to get a, a, a Frankie Montas? That's the question we have to ask ourselves. Or do they need to continue to do things smartly without uh, selling the farm to get just one guy? But Montas will be under control for two years, and he could be, definitely be a help. I also think the other interesting thing hey, Brand, about this. Brandon, I need a cough button over here. Is there one? Brandon is a, a, a <laughs> human cough button. He'll take care of it. Uh, Thank you. And I know that's the nicest thing anybody's ever said about Brandon. He's going to owe me money for that one. Uh, <laughs> the interesting thing, too, is, you know, Winder, you look at some of the top pitching prospects. Uh, Winder is 25 years old. I mean, they don't need to baby him. They don't need to wait on him. If he looks good, they can take a shot at him. You know, uh, uh, Duran is 24, and it sounds like he's going to be in the bullpen. Kandorin is 24. I mean, some of their top pitching prospects are at that age where they kind of need to find out about them. Yeah, you're right. And Winder actually was going to be a candidate to be called up last year, but he had a shoulder impingement problem, and they shut him down for the second half. Or he would have made his debut at Target Field late last season. So, and I'm anxious to see this kid. I've never seen him pitch in the minors or in spring training. Uh, he's got the basic four-pitch mix, fastball, slider, change, curve. But when he's going good, he's touching 97 on the gun. So... This is the guy who could bring some velocity to the game that uh, the Twins don't have, the Twins have lacked for years. So I want to see him uh, get a shot. And it sounds like that uh, he's going to have an opportunity to break camp with the team and be in that rotation. Because right now, you're going to have Sonny Gray, Dylan Bundy, Joe Ryan, and Bailey Over with question mark, question mark, question mark uh, for the fifth spot. Winder could very easily slide to that fifth row. Um, I'm not saying that Winder raises the stakes right now because 
to me, a young pitcher has to take his lumps for a little bit. We saw what Jose Barrios was like when they first caught him up from the minors. He posted like an eight ERA. He was scared to death his first yeah, time out. Exactly. They were having like specialized pitching sessions with Burt Blylevin was out in the bullpen with the pitching staff trying to figure out how to get this guy going. Um, so you want him to get through that hand, that uh, development process so he can kind of learn how to get major league hitters out. And, but I think in the long run, this kid's going to be pretty good. Um, so it looks like the, the button's going to be pushed on his, uh, the start of his career here sooner than later because of need. It'd be nice if they could trade for a quality starter. There's been rumors of them showing interest in Johnny Cueto, who's about 35 years old right now. Um, he's been a functional pitcher for years. He's a guy who, who will um, do the Lewis Tiot and turn his back to the, to the plate before he delivers the ball. And sometimes he freezes himself for three seconds before he turns and fires, so he's really entertaining to watch pitch. But, you know, he's on the downside of his career. Um, he would just be a fifth starter um, if the Twins decide to sign him. Um, but I, I'd rather see a kid with upside, I think, kind of get his lumps during the early part of the season, like Winder. And he may adjust, and he may end up being a a capable guy we're off the bat. But uh, all these pitchers, and these are, you know, Duran and Weiner are just uh, two of like four or five of guys that they really liked who are starting to reach the double-A, triple-A level that should be in line to make their debuts here over the next couple of years. No doubt. Take a big drink of water. I'm, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell people we are, again, 11 Wells Spirits, 11 Wells Distillery from grain to glass. Everything we do at 11 Wells is local. Spirits and liquors are made on site with ingredients sourced from Minnesota farmers. Again, come up to the mic, ask a question. You can get a, a tour or a $25 gift certificate or an actual bottle of their liquor. Uh, delicious spirits, delightful atmosphere. 11 Wells Distillery is a distillery and craft cocktail lounge established in 2013 in East St. Paul, offering a full line of Minnesota-made spirits and liqueurs. Come for a cocktail or find them at local realtors across the Twin Cities. Of course, Lavelle can vouch for the quality of the spirits. You know, the cool thing about this place, because this used to be a, a, a brewery, um, we're sitting, this area is sitting on top of an aquifer that, you, that 11 wells drills down about 400 feet to tap into the water. <laughs> Thank you for another <laughs> glass you. of water. Um, that they tap into to get water to make their fine whiskey. So I immediately had to do a deep dive into what aquifers were and how they work in order to kind of get a greater understanding of that. But some of these aquifers have like 300,000 gallons of water in them, and it's pure water. So it's pretty fascinating to see, um, see how this whole process unfolds. And you'll get a chance to understand that if you uh, go on a tour of the distillery and see how um, they craft these fine um, spirits. Do you think they regret signing Randy Dobnik to that deal, or is that deal was that deal structured so that you know if he ends up not pitching or pitching well, they're just not hurt badly? You got pitchers making forty million dollars in Major League Baseball. I think they're paying Randy seven over what two or three year period. Yeah, it's pretty uh, spread out. Yeah, it's spread out, and it, that's not that big of a loss if you um, if it doesn't work out. But he's got a finger problem. It's not like he has like a debilitating shoulder or elbow injury that could threaten his career. He's just had a a finger problem. I guess it's related to like climbers, rock climbers type of injury that he's trying to work through. Um, and, and, and even though when he's going good, he's probably just like a third or fourth starter at the best. He'd just be holding down the back end of the rotation. Um, I like Randy a lot. Um, the one thing I like is that he doesn't nibble. When he's on the mound, he comes at hitters. And that's something you don't see from a lot of young pitchers. So um, even knowing that he doesn't throw 95, 
He's not afraid to put the ball over the plate. So I hope he gets his finger problem figured out here so he can contribute to this rotation. But uh, um, as far as salary, very affordable, low-risk move. Um, right now it's not working out, but it, it could down the road once he gets his hand figured out. So we talked about the pitchers you want to see in the rotation. How about the pitchers they actually have? Uh, Sonny Gray, Bailey Ober, Joe Ryan at the top of the rotation. Uh, do they have a chance to carry that rotation? They can be functional. I mean, they don't, they don't have an ace. And you could argue that Sonny Gray has to be at the top of his form to perform like a number two. But, you know, he's done that in recent years. Um, he's, he's been a very effective pitcher. And he's rather fascinating because he's a ground ball guy, but he's also a strikeout guy. So you don't see that type of combination in the, in the pitcher's arsenal. So hold on for a second. My, my brother Lawrence uh, was riding with me here. He can attest I was smoking a cigar on the way here, and I think that cigar is coming back to haunt me. So I apologize. <laughs> so, but, um, you know, Gray probably sh well, should be the opening day starter. He's the, he's the most accomplished and has the most experience of anybody on that staff. Um, but, no, I like watching him pitch. He's been a very effective guy, and I think he'll do a great job um, in the Twins rotation. And, the other thing, too, if you, get, if you eventually add a guy like Montas, who's under control for two years, and then you're not just looking for this year, but next year, when Kenta Maeda comes back from Tommy John surgery, you got Gray, Maeda, and Montas. And now you can start working with an effective uh, rotation. I will say that uh, I don't know if Ryan and Ober are ready to be like the two and the three on a contending staff yet. It's probably too much to ask of them at this point in their careers. But I love watching them pitch. I, I, Joe Ryan, you know, I got to spend a lot of time with him at the Olympics, and everything he did at the Olympics, he translated to the big leagues immediately, which is really hard to have happen. Uh, Ober, the, these guys, oh, Stacy's bringing you a shot of something to cure your, uh, your his first cough. Okay. Oh, it's the uh, rum? No, it's the coffee liqueur. Yeah, that'll, that'll cure you. Okay, we'll try that. We won't, we, won't, <laughs> uh, we won't make any outrageous claims about the medicinal qualities of these liqueurs, but it'll probably work. Yeah, level well distillery, distillery and throat care. <laughs> there you go. Uh, so what are your impressions? I mean, that's my impression of Ryan and Ober. What are your impressions? Um, I like Ryan a lot. And once again, he's a guy that's not afraid to throw the ball over the plate. And... The thing that's intriguing about him is that there's some sort of deception in his delivery where he's able to pitch up in the zone despite throwing 93 and be effective doing that. Um, he reminds me of Scott Baker in that regard because Baker, in his delivery, the way he held his glove out, um, the ball came, kept popping out from behind the glove and would get on the hitters faster than they could pick up. And there's something about Ryan's delivery that's similar to that it does allows him to get away with throwing up in his own despite not having that big-time fastball that we're used to seeing with a lot of these top pitchers. So um, he's got the mentality to execute that type of uh, approach, and that's what I like about the kid. He's, he knows what his style is. He knows how he can be effective. And a lot of pitchers don't know what they are until after they come up here and get their brains beat out for a few years. But Ryan does know that, and so – He's not afraid to go after some of these dangerous hitters in, in this league. And we saw that for a half season last year, and I want to see more of it next year. Bailey Ober is a very interesting guy, too, because he's so damn tall. When he releases the ball, it's already halfway to home plate. 
And then, and he, it's cheating. Yeah, he's almost, yeah, it's almost unfair. And so he's effective in that way. So you got two kind of intriguing pitchers there who are young with upside and who have, who has had, who have had enough success early on that they have a jumping off point to, to go to another level in 2022. I still remember Roy's reaction when I told him, you know, I was in Tokyo watching Joe Ryan pitch, and I was talking to him after games, and he's saying, yeah, I, and I was talking about his pitch patterns, you know, how he decides what pitch to throw. He said, well, I, I kind of study the hitter, and I see where his feet are and what his approach is going to be and what his last swing was like. And Roy, you know, and that, that stunned me. And so I ran it by Roy and was like, I just pitchers don't do that. It's like, you know, it's one in a hundred big league pitchers who can do that. Uh, for him to have that wherewithal, that, you know, that – mental approach at this age is really impressive. Yeah, you would hear like a, a veteran pitcher, like a Kurt Schilling talk like that, or you would hear um, like a, a Trevor Bauer talk like that, you know, when he wasn't getting pounded by Max Kepler. Um, <laughs> there'd be other pitchers in the league that would talk about reading the hitters up uh, swings on their pitches and where they're setting up in the box and um, when, which way they're trying to go. Are they trying to, you know, drive them out to the left? They're trying to pull, they're just trying to hit something away able to break down a hitter and, and find a weakness to attack. So there was some pitching acumen. There's a brain going on up there that, um, that, that shows that uh, he, he's, he's been coached very well, and he's a very sharp guy, and he's got an approach that works for him. He, he's willing to execute all this. No doubt about it. Uh, you mentioned before the show that you want to talk about Eddie Rosario. I'll give you your shot here. <laughs> yeah, it was funny last year in the playoffs when Rosario went bananas for the um, – for the Braves in the postseason, all of a sudden my Twitter feed, I call them Twecklers, Twitter hecklers, uh, started coming at me about why did the Twins let Eddie Rosario go? Well, they didn't think he was a $10 million player. Um, they let him go. He signed with Cleveland. He was horrible with Cleveland. And then he got shipped to Atlanta, who at the time needed outfielders like they needed air to breathe. And they pretty much put together a, a whole new outfield for like the stretch run. It just happened to click. Um, we know what Eddie is. Uh, he's a free swinger. When he, he, when he, uh, when he sees a pitch he, want, he likes, he's going to swing at it. It doesn't matter if it's a ball or a strike. Um, the one thing I like about Eddie, too, is that um, when the lights are brightest and when the games are on the line, he's not going to fade. He's not going to wilt. He's not going to uh, get nervous or wilt under pressure. You're, you're going to see the best that he has. That was one of his good traits. But he's also very maddening in his lack of plate discipline. Um, he, and outfield discipline. One he, of the yeah, I say he declined as an yeah. outfielder, um, breaks on balls, decision making in terms of what base to throw to, you know. And so it was he was aggravating the Twins with a lot of these things. And they decided to move forward. And I maintain that Alex Kirilov will make Twins fans forget about Eddie Rosario. Um, now he's not he's not gifted defensively. He'll probably be average at best in left field, and he's still kind of learning footwork and movements around first base when he gets a chance to play first. But this kid's swing is legitimate. He's got fantastic hand-eye coordination. He can drive the ball to all parts of the park. Um, he's going to take good at bats, and he's going to stay in the strike zone. And he is going to be an asset to this, to, the, to this lineup. And I think he'll be a more productive player than Eddie Rosario, who, frankly, his offensive uh, output declined in each of his last three years with the Twins. So... Uh, I'm pro Kirilov, and I think he's going to be an asset to this offense. I agree with you 100%. And I'll also give Rosario full credit for coming up big. And I do, as you said, the great thing about Rosario is he's fearless. And he, he is very comfortable being up 
in the World Series with a game online. He right. loves that stuff. He was, did the same thing at the World Baseball Classic. He got, you know, got a lot of big hits uh, for Puerto Rico. He is that kind of guy. But over 162 games, you need offensive efficiency, and yep. he is not an efficient offensive player. Eddie Rosario's first major league at bat, he hit a yep. home run. Yep. Eddie Rosario's first career playoff at bat, he hit a home run in Yankee Stadium. And I was like, wow, the Twins are leading. I mean, we, Twins were leading 3 nothing. You were sitting next to each other in Yankee Stadium. And, and Irvin Santana proceeded to give away that lead faster than um, Byron Buxton can run the first base. And we were just sitting there shaking our heads. It was like, they can't beat the Yankees. Even when they do the right things, they, it ends up coming back and biting them. And Irvin Santana was, you know, he was, he was a really nice guy. Good yeah. guy to have around. But it remind me of the, the behind-the-scenes story was it, that he had a finger injury and he didn't tell them and it ended up biting him in that game? That's correct. Yeah, yeah. that's what I thought I remembered. Because uh, it, it was such a dis- – <laughs> I mean, we've covered a lot of Twins losses in Yankee Stadium. We're used to it. But that one was stunning because it really felt like the Twins had broken the curse in the top of the first, and by the bottom of the first, they had reinserted the curse. Because if you remember, Dozier led off the game with a home run yep. in that same inning, and then Eddie hit a two-run jack after that. And it was actually – there was a, a – period there where Yankee Stadium was quiet because they're yeah. like, wow, these guys are jumping on us right now. And then Irvin came, Irvin walked the first batter and I turned to you and said, well, we now know, we know one thing for sure, that runner's going to score. Yes, no doubt about it. <laughs> and, and, and that's what ended up happening, and more than that. By the way, we have a taco truck, not we, I, I had nothing to do with it. Eleven Wells has a taco truck outside the front door. They're, they always have really cool ways to uh, to have great food along with the great beverages here. Again, this is a beautiful space. It's a really cool place to hang out. Uh, we highly recommend checking it out, 11 Wells Distillery. Uh, also want to thank our other sponsors of the Chin Music Show at TalkNorth.com, Memorial Blood Centers. This month, give blood with local Memorial Blood Centers, and you'll make twice the impact. For every unit of blood donated, Memorial Blood Centers will donate $1 to Second Harvest Heartland, helping ensure folks living with food insecurity can get healthy, nutritious food that they need. Double your impact without even having to open your wallet. Learn more about how you can help or schedule an appointment to give blood at mbc.org or call 1-888-448-3253. Your community is counting on you. Better Edge, if you're going to bet on sports, we recommend Better Edge. Combine your love for competition, social, and sports with Better Edge, the sports betting exchange that actually gives back to its bettors. Better Edge is a brand new locally based betting platform meant to connect users and attempt to add some coin to the bank. Completely legal and 100% fun, compete against friends, sports insiders, and yourself with Better Edge in a number of different sports and event competitions. In fact, you can follow me. My username is Sonny Everett on this platform to see what my picks are. Use code CHIN for a free $10 when you sign up by visiting betteredge.com. That's B E T T O R edge.com. And Perfect Ash. Yeah, Perfect Ash is now owned by Patrick O'Connor, who is a former Gopher football player. I know that name. And uh, he has uh, beefed up the humidor to include over 340 different types of cigars. He's bought brand new televisions that are bigger than the old ones. And business is booming there. So if you guys like to smoke and gals like to smoke cigars and be with other like-minded people, the Perfect Ash, located in, in Invergrove Heights, which is uh, 2.7 miles from my driveway. Uh, <laughs> 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 
That's just it. Just an estimate. I marked it off. Just a guess. <laughs> Uh, you can you can go there um, and uh, have a cigar and, and have some great conversations with a, really a great group of guys. Um, the, the the patrons make these places, and there's a great group of people who show up at the Perfect Ash to have a stogie, watch sports, uh, complain about whatever. We try not to play, we try not to uh, talk politics because then we get in the fights. But uh, but for watching sports and smoking cigars, there's not a better place in town. Perfect Ash Invergrove Heights. So how are they going to handle the catcher? I'm slightly concerned about that because Ryan Jefferson is going to get a chance to play every day, and Ryan um, is a better defensive player than Mitch Garver. Uh, Ryan also has some pop in that bat, and I think over the course of a year, if he ends up playing in 120, 130 games, I think he could sneak up on 20 home runs and a little bit more than that. Um, he has a stronger arm than Garver. that's a little more accurate. He can control the running game, and he's better at pitch framing. Um, my problem is the backup right now, which I'm not sure really exists. Gary Sanchez, who was traded to the Twins from the Yankees, is part of that crazy uh, kind of falafa trade in which he was with the Twins for all of one day before he got shipped to New York, is not a catcher. He has proven that he can't catch. He's proven that his skills are terrible. Um, and his offense has declined probably because he was being reminded of how crappy of a defensive player he was while playing in New York. So moving to Minnesota will probably... Uh, be a relief to him. Um, he can uh, get a fresh start here, and I would expect for him to uh, hit for some decent power, but he is not a backup catcher. So, especially this first month of the season, I would expect the Twins to carry a third catcher, but I think Rocco is going to have to seriously consider having a third guy um, uh, who has catching ability to be a backup, because Sanchez prop right now probably is going to be the DH, and uh, you have Jeffers at home uh, uh, behind the plate. And so if something happens to Jeffers, and, and I'm sure Rocco does not want to have to give up that DH. So you're going to need to have a third catcher on that roster. Um, now, yes, since St. Paul is uh, just a short drive away from target field, they could get screwed for one day and have a catcher in the next day. But what if they're out on the West Coast, you know, or, or, or somewhere where it's going to be tough to get to right away? So... Um, this almost seems like I'm asking for them to bring back Williams as the deal. Which is what I asked you right before the show. Oh, and the first yeah, ovation yeah, the is for Williams for as the deal. Of course it is. I, yeah. <laughs> yeah. They, they'd have an extra pitcher as well, right? <laughs> so, uh, but I'm not necessarily saying that. I think you need a guy. And Williams' defense behind the plate wasn't beautiful either. So, um, I hope they can come up with a viable third option or a third person who can catch just to give Rocco a little bit of a, a safety net, just in case something happens um, to Sanchez or Jeffers when they're, when they're in the lineup at the same time. Now, this is a team that not very long ago won 100 games because they just hit home run after home run. Are you telling me they really won't get tempted to play Sanchez behind the plate just to see the ball go over the fence? Oh, I think he's going to play. I mean, we just talked about Rocco's big, being big on rest and recovery, so there's going to be times where he's going to sit Jeffers and probably have Sanchez start behind home plate. I think that's just not, you know, I think it's unavoidable. And then you'll, have, you'll see either Kirilov or Miguel Sano uh, or maybe even Buxton, you know, getting that DH spot and, um, for a day or two to fill in. But um, we're going to see Gary behind the plate, and we're just going to have to grin and bear it when we see him, um, you know, pile up the pass balls. <laughs> but uh, I do think... Gary, I think Gary can have a bounce back year and hit a bunch of home runs for the Twins. I think he definitely has that ability. 
And once again, getting out of New York, there's, there could be a bounce back ability there, but we still need a third catcher. Yes, sir. You, you led me right into this uh, question. This is a, what I was thinking of. Thank you, Marshall, <laughs> yes. Marshall, Marshall. <laughs> yes. Um, so that was the, the biggest part of the trade with the Yankees that was a bummer is that they had to include Ben Rortfett, in my opinion. Um, not, it's a little outside the box take, but Ben is, I covered him in the minor leagues, and he's elite defensively. We knew that from last year, but also just a tremendous clubhouse presence. The pitchers love throwing to him. So I think the defense up the middle, like, is really good now. Polanco, Correa, Buxton, assuming all are healthy. But the, the defense behind the plate is a little, is a little worrisome because Jeffers has improved, but we don't know if he can hit at the big league level, and then Sanchez, as you, as you mentioned. So is there, anybody, is there anybody out there you think that could, that could potentially come in, even, even as a veteran defensive presence? Because I think Ben will have a career of like 10, 12 years in the big leagues just because he plays great defense, and the Yankees fans will, will like him a lot. So I hope he doesn't kill the Twins too much, but uh, he's an easy guy to root for, for sure. Ladies and gentlemen, that's Marshall Kellner. He used to be the radio voice of the Fort Myers Miracle for uh, several years. So he has uh, institutional knowledge of some of the players who have come through the system in recent years. Uh, I like Ben a lot. He's got a great personality, infectious, funny, um, humorous, uh, built, just built like a bodybuilder, just an incredible physique. But he's still a little guy. He's like 5'9", and probably, what, 190 pounds, maybe? And... Right now, he could not hit a bull in the ass with a snow shovel. Okay, so uh, let, me, let me repeat that: could not hit a bull oh. in the ass with a snow shovel. I don't know what that means, but it sounds really cool. So uh, he, he's going to need some time. He's, as a backup, he's not going to get consistent at bats to get his back going. So that's going to be kind of a little bit of a, a, a challenge for him. But I do agree with Marshall in the fact that that is going to be a little bit of a loss because he could be that third catcher and be a very good defensive. Catcher. The Twins picked up a guy off waivers from San Francisco. I can not remember his name, but he's in camp, and I wouldn't be surprised if he ends up as the third catcher uh, on that roster going forward. Um, I don't know if he's a defensive guy. Um, keep this between us, but I'm going down to spring training next Friday, so I'll be able to figure out some of this myself once I get down there. Um, but, uh, you, you make a very valid point about about Ben Wartfit, Wisconsin kid um, who, who who will be missed because of how he carried himself in the clubhouse and and his defensive ability. Good question. Grab anything you like from the uh, the row of prizes up here. Yes, sir. Uh, so um, the fact that the Twins were willing to give up their first round pick from last year for Sonny Gray does that say more about Sonny Gray, Chase Petty, or how desperate they were for another starter? I think it was, it was a reflection of being desperate for another starter. Um, you, have, you also have to understand on the, on the developmental list, high school pitchers are probably the most volatile to try to get safely from high school through minor leagues into the majors and to be product, productive in Major League Baseball. Plus, Petty hit 102 miles an hour as a high school kid, so he had value at least to the, to the Reds to make that trade. So it's definitely a move to try to get better now with some risk that Petty could come up there and, be, and be, eventually be good. Um, I have to also add that um, the Twins um, 
declined to draft Hunter Green. Uh, <laughs> and Hunter Green is with the Reds. He has a chance to make the team this year. And Hunter, after having Tommy John surgery, is back to throwing 100 miles an hour. So five, six, seven years from now, Green and Patty could be frontlining the Reds rotation. And Twins fans could just be at, going bananas over the fact that they, were, <laughs> that they could have had one or both of them. But they needed to address the rotation. They still need to address the rotation. So, and the Reds were in kind of a mini fire cell. So you 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 got to you got and since the Twins didn't sign a free agent pitcher when they were available, um, they had to find other ways to, to augment that that rotation, and they still need to. So we'll see what happens going forward uh, if they keep in touch with the A's about Frankie Montas or even Sean Manea. Uh, but uh, I can't fault them for making these moves. When, when was the last time that the Twins have traded a prospect for an established player? How often it's happened in my 24 years as a beat writer, or your 28 years, I think, being at the Star Tribune? Well, I will say that uh, I, th I think the first good deal that Falvey did was a, a supposedly decent shortstop prospect for Odorizzi. That was Jermaine Palacios. Yes, that's right. And that was a great deal. Yeah. And Palacios struggled. Uh, got released by the Rays, and he's back in the Twins organization. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, and you have to understand, too, the Rays win trades. They fleeced Pittsburgh for Chris Archer, for Tyrell Glass now, and Austin Meadows. That's just a fleecing. You don't want to trade with the Rays because they beat you most of the time. And there was one time where the Twins actually benefited because I thought, I thought Jake was great his first year. He was named to All-Star team. Yeah. You know? Uh, I kind of wish he was still around. Uh, he's a good dude. Yeah, really good guy. Um, he'll tell you definitely how he feels. He may not tell you on the record, but he'll tell you how he feels. Well, he also <laughs> was gave him their their best outing of their last playoff. I mean, of that of uh, the last Yankee playoff series. Oh, and that's the other thing. As much as I think Rocco's a good manager, I was so mad. You cannot start writing Randy Dobnak in Yankee Stadium. No. During the postseason, Jake Odorizzi needed to start at one, start one of those two games. I think they thought it was a seven game series, and they could just kind of ease into it. Yeah. <sighs> <laughs> that was just wrong. Yeah, that didn't work out very well. Uh, grab anything you like, and thanks for the question. We appreciate it. And anybody else who wants to step up, feel free to at any time. And you can ask questions about other sports, too. Lavelle and I, Lavelle and I cover everything in town, uh, so we'll be happy to talk about anything. We'll probably get to some other sports here in a little bit. Thank you. Appreciate this it. coffee liqueur is actually working. It's really good. Yeah. You know, <laughs> and it does calm down your throat. I drink it all the time. Uh, yes, sir. Thanks, Stacy. <laughs> all right. I haven't heard a lot about our bullpen there's um, a bullpen? So, so who's going to be our setup guys and closer this year? <laughs> um, I think Taylor Rogers is going to be the closer. Taylor Rogers is going to pitch the eighth inning. He's going to be the left-handed specialist, and he'll also pitch the seventh inning. All I have to do is find a sixth-inning guy to go with Taylor Rogers. And he'll probably sell beer in the stands during the first yeah. three innings before he's really needed. So um, there were times last year the, bull, the Twins' bullpen was actually a playpen. Uh, based on some of the guys that were coming in and gi giving up grand slams and just ridiculous bombs uh, to, to all kinds of players. It was really tough to watch, and it was one of the reasons why they really went in a tank early in the season, because nothing just clicked. But um, it looks like right now you're going to use uh, Taylor Rogers and Orohe Akala, who I like, who I think has got a lot of ability and keeps getting a little bit better every year, um, as well as Tyler Duffy as a mixture in that eighth, ninth inning uh, mode. Um, that's why I've spoken so highly of Yon Duran, because I think he can jump right in and, and be effective throwing 100 miles an hour out of that bullpen. Even if you need him to pitch in the seventh or eighth right now until he gets his feet wet, um, that's an asset to have. I really wish that they would get a real closer. I've written about it. You have written columns about it. Um, 
I don't, I don't like this committee approach. I don't like this deal about telling all your relievers. You could pitch anywhere after the fifth inning. First of all, the problem is bringing in guys in the fifth inning. You know, the, the major, <laughs> that is part of the problem. The, the yes. average major league start was down to 5.1 innings a game last year. You know, the, uh, the pussification of the starting pitchers has is, is been real for the last two three years, and it's driving me up the wall. You're not letting pitchers pitch deep in the games. You're not letting pitchers problem solve. You're not, if a guy, as soon as a guy walks a guy, he knows he's coming out. And now you're using a bullpen. The guy could come in and save the day, pitch three innings of sterling relief, and all of a sudden he's getting sent down to the minors because they need a fresh arm. You know, all this is because how they're treating starting pitchers today. And I hate it. Uh, so we need to get our starters to pitch six or seven innings and then use the bullpen. You know, after... After six innings, oh, Larry's clapping. Thank you. That's Bert by eleven. Yeah, I, I, I mean, yeah, I, I miss the days when the Yankees. If you after the sixth inning, you got Mariano Rivera for two innings, and you got John Wetland, Wetland in the ninth, and it was game over. The Royals, the, the year the Royals went to the World Series. Yep. Once you got through the sixth inning, you had all those studs coming out of the bullpen. The Reds with the nasty boys. Exactly. So we're, we're getting away from that because we're starting to use relievers in the fifth or sixth innings. And it's just, it's just a mess. Here's, so. here's what's fascinating about that, too, because the analytic era began with the idea, hey, okay, the weakest part of every major league roster is middle relief. Yes. Let's take a lot of pitches. Let's wear down the starting pitcher. Let's get the starting pitcher out there so we can face the middle relievers because we know we're going to beat their brains in. Now the modern 2022 analytic approach is, Let's get our middle relievers in there as much as possible. It, why are you doing that? There are, nobody has a good deep bullpen. You have one or two really good relievers. If you're lucky, you have two more you can kind of trust. And every major league team is, can't wait to get their worst pitchers into the game. Now, and now you also have this thing called the opener that you've decided that I'm going to start a reliever for an inning and then bring in a guy who's going to pitch the next five innings, which I think is baffling to me because you want your best guy starting and getting deep into games. Um, so uh, the whole thing's gotten wacky, and the middle relief has always been a soft underbelly of a, of, of a pitching rotation, and it just angers me how pitchers are being used today and being developed today. Um, you know, you're, you're running out of guys who are throwing 200 innings in a season now. I don't know what qualifies as, a, as an ace anymore, because you used to think that an ace was based on innings, guys who could throw a lot of innings, 230 innings a year, 250 innings a year, make 35 starts, you know. Now, you're, if you throw 180 innings, you're like a kick-ass pitcher now. And I hate that. I hate that about that game, about this game. And, and it, now you're relying on trying to figure out how to put together a decent bullpen with a combination of kids who have upside and aging veterans who are still trying to hold on to a job. You know, and um, we're just in a bad spot here. Hopefully, the pendulum swings the other way and we start letting pitches go deep again. But I don't see that happening anytime soon. Feel free to grab whatever you like. Thanks for the question. We appreciate right. it. Do you have another one? No, seriously. Last year, Colomay killed us. I mean, it was a good gamble, yeah. but I mean that. Hansel Robles. Yeah, it was terrible. Yeah, I mean that's, that's why you need a short yeah. thing closer. And Roy and I, you know, Roy and Lavelle and I are always talking about that. There's a psychological aspect of closing games. You have to have somebody who can handle that. If that person can handle that, then your setup people set up. You know, they set it settle into their routine, and it really is a thing in baseball. Relievers like to know when to start getting ready. And while we're on relievers, I'm going to go on another rant here. I am absolutely disgusted that my brethren 
uh, in the Baseball Writers Association of America didn't give Joe Nathan enough votes so he could stay in the Hall of Fame yeah, ballot. He should. I think Nathan should be in the conversation to be a Hall of Famer. When he was going good through that seven-year run, his numbers are damn near close to Mariano Rivera's. Um, Billy Wagner is still on the ballot with the Houston Astros. I would take Joe Nathan with Billy Wagner any day. And I think it's awful that he's not getting a chance to, uh, to continue his candidacy for the Hall. Agreed. If you want to make a case that Joe Nathan isn't quite a Hall of Famer, you can make that case. I, I, think, I think he's right on the borderline. I, could see, I, I don't know if I'd vote for him or not. I don't vote anymore. But you can't make the case that he shouldn't even be on the ballot. If Joe Nathan played for the Mets or the Yankees, he'd still be on the ballot. Uh, I, I agree with that. Yeah, I think that's true. He's his, it was easier to overlook him because the team he pitched on didn't, yes. just didn't have postseason success. And, and he was not... Uh, he just never attained that level of stardom that probably would have matched his level of performance. Yes, yes sir. sir. Hey, uh, thanks for coming in, by the way. Thank, Thank you. you. Thanks oh, for yeah. having us. So, Brad Johnson, St. Paul. Yes, sir. Um, so, being a St. Paul guy, I have two questions. The first is, what can we be excited about uh, at the Saints Stadium over at CHS? What are we looking for in the next couple of years coming up? What would be somebody to pay attention to? Well, Royce Lewis is going to start the season there. Yep. And he's going to be the shortstop in waiting for as long as Carlos Correa is going to be with the Twins, which could be as short as one year. Um, if Correa has even an average season and stays healthy, I would imagine he's going to go back on the market next year and try to get $40 million a year. If he gets injured, has a down season, he could come back. But um, Carlos Correa, I mean, uh, Royce Lewis is going to be the guy you want to watch. Um, he has slowly made, I'm not saying he's a finished product, but he has slowly made the transition from being an athlete playing shortstop to a shortstop playing athlete. Um, he's got hands, he's got great range, uh, he's got a good arm. Uh, offensively, I'm a little worried because he's got this high leg kick that usually young players get abused with when they first come up to the league, but they are convinced that he's going to hit for power once he gets some at-bats under his belt. So he's worth following. The third baseman at St. Paul, Jose Miranda, um, had a fantastic year. He hit 344 at double A, went to triple A and proceeded to hit 343. Um, and I think combining for almost 30 home runs, driving in like 90 RBI. And he doesn't walk, a, he, does, he walks a lot and doesn't strike out a lot. What a concept in today's baseball. You know, so I want to see him up in the majors eventually. I think he'll be at St. Paul for a couple months and then he will um, probably get a look in the, in the majors, especially if there's an injury. And then like the pitchers, like who doesn't make the team? Guys like uh, Jordan Balazovic will probably be there. Uh, Cole Sands is another uh, pitcher they, they think highly of. Uh, I'm missing another guy, third guy. Um, uh, you mentioned him. Um, Col Camo, Camo uh, the other right-hander who throws hard. Oh, uh, Richardson? No. no uh, um, that Simeon was Richardson. He'll be there, I'm too. I'm sorry. Uh, we're, I, oh, Canarino. Yeah, Canarino is another uh, kid that's got a live-ass arm, too. They got, they got three or four kids who throw about 95 and have stuff that could play in the majors. And they'll be at St. Paul this year. So it's going to be entertaining to kind of watch those guys um, kind of develop. So um, don't sleep on the Saints. It's a... It's definitely worth going to check them out. I want to hear Dick Bremer introduce somebody as having a live-ass arm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um, so my second question is, it's another player-related. The Twins got a sleeper this year that could blow up? I mean, the lineup is kind of not – they're non-sleepers. They all have just – I mean, they have talent at every position. Um, 
I mean, Miranda's kind of the sleeper to come up, you know, if something happened, if, if, if Ursula didn't hold on the job, they had an injury, Miranda could come up and, and really blow up right away. Is there a pitcher you would consider a sleeper? Um, maybe Duran, if maybe, he lights it up? Yeah, maybe Duran, if he comes up and lights it up. Um, Balazovic, if he gets called up. Um, down in the system, their last two first-round picks have not gotten off to the best starts. Cavani uh, Cavaco uh, was horrible. Um, after getting uh, after he got drafted and signed with the Twins, and this Aaron Sabato kid has big power, but he also had big strikeouts in his first year as a pro. And I noticed they had him up in major league camps. I'm, I'm sure they're trying to work on some adjustments with him. But it's one of those things that if he figures it out, he could take off because he played at North Carolina. So if he gets his bat going and hits a bunch of home runs, he could move up the chain pretty quickly here. And by the way, uh, the Saints do a great job. Uh, you know, it's a small organization, and they work their asses off, and they have a great ballpark, great ballpark atmosphere. And I liked the old version of the Saints. It was quaint. It was cool. There were always guys with really great backstories in the clubhouse. But now you're getting to see great players. I mean, you know, you get to see – I mean, Miranda's a, a heck of a player. Uh, Royce Lewis is a heck of an athlete who I think is going to be a heck of a player. And you get to see people who might – you know, be in the big leagues the next week. Or you may see, you know, as soon as Miguel Sanon pulls something, he'll probably have to rehab at St. Paul. <laughs> well, and that's you'll be able to just see him in the lineup. I know, in fact, there's at least one St. Paul Saints season ticket holder in the audience today, and I have been with him at games. It's just a great hangout to it sit is. in a sweet area and kind of watch the game, and, and it's a great atmosphere. And uh, if you go out there a lot, you see that pig start out as just a little piglet and slowly end up being <laughs> 250 pounds by the end of the season. So uh, there's a journey you can go on <laughs> by going to Saints games. And by the way, my, my wife is the world's biggest Hamilton fan, and Jose Miranda is a cousin of Lin-Manuel Miranda. No kidding. Yeah. How about that? Yeah. Pretty that, cool stuff. That's pretty neat. Yes, sir. Uh, Just off the last comment, what are the expectations for Sano this year? I mean, I don't know. Or the hopes do we, for do Sano. we have anything new to say about Miguel Sano? Miguel claims he's lost 25 pounds. And actually, I've watched him in spring training games. He does look like the, the uniform's fitting better on him this year. So he has tried to address that. Um, uh, here's the thing. Miguel's making $10 million. If he hits 30 homers and strikeouts, strikes out 130 times, 30 homers for $10 million a year to me is a reasonable return. Yeah. So now if he can make strides in terms of uh, more walks, and more contact and put the ball, ball and play more, which could be more home runs, then you're looking at a 40 home run guy for $10 million. That's a great deal for the Twins. And plus, he's motivated because I think, I think there's an option after this year on his contract. So he's going to be motivated to, to show up this year or show out. So, Miguel, and, and feel free to grab another, whatever you like. Um, we don't want to go home with any of this. We want, ever, our, we want our listeners to have all this stuff. So, so enjoy. Um, yeah, I don't think work ethic has been his problem the last few years. I think it's all about approach. And, and, you know, you saw Buxton look helpless at the plate when he swung at pitches in the dirt. He, was, he got himself out. Pitcher never had any reason to throw the ball over the plate. He knew he could throw the ball in the dirt three times and Buxton's go back to the, the dugout or tap to second base. Sano, if Sano would just be more disciplined on what pitches he's willing to swing at, and as Roy talks about, if he's willing to take the outside pitch to center field or right center, he would hit 40 home runs by accident. You know, and the thing is, Miguel, when he first came up, he was hitting the ball to center, right center. He was. Uh, and he still goes through, but, he'll still go through a week or two where it will do that, and he looks like you can't get him out. 
But then that urge to hit the ball as far as possible left field comes back, and he gets himself out. Yeah, well, I was saying, too, but once teams started busting him inside, he opened up his stance, to, and he never changed. He's right. just been in that pool mold um, so often, and I, I, I think it's led into bad habits. Um, I also think – I don't, don't, don't want to say he's stubborn, but he believes he knows about hitting, and I think that's been a detriment to his development. Um, I remember when he – he was down in the minors on rehab, and he was hitting. And, like, Steve Singleton was, like, the minor league hitting coordinator at the time, something like that. I said, how would you like working with Singleton? He was like, he know nothing about hitting. I teach him about hitting. And, and I'm like, okay. You know, um, he's got to accept coaching a little bit sometimes to understand he has to maybe step outside the box a little bit and kind of examine himself in a different vein and try to make the necessary improvements to be a productive player. I also think one of the – keys for a young hitter or a struggling hitter is to find somebody they trust because these guys get coached by different people at every level. There's a roving hitting instructor who comes through. There are big league hitting coaches. There are teammates. There are people from their past. They're getting advice from like 85 different people. You cannot have that many thoughts in your head. I remember, remember Torrey Hunter. Torrey Hunter would like send his, go after a game, he would send his at-bats to like Bobby Bonilla. And he would take Bobby Benilla's advice rather than listening to somebody who's two feet away from him because he just knew he could trust Benilla. You well, know, Bobby is still getting a paycheck from the Mets yes. every year. So, so yeah, I mean, he might I mean, as well do yeah. some work. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, but I mean, I, I think that's so thing for Sano. This guy must know something. <laughs> Sano needs to find one person who can put good thoughts in his head and just listen to that one person over and over. And then it's funny you brought up Tory because the one thing Tory told me about Bucks, he was like, Bucks is going to be fine. He's going to be fine as an offensive player. You know why? Because he knows how to make adjustments. And Buxton got to that point a couple years ago where he stopped listening to all the people trying to give him advice yep. and says, I'm going to go down and I'm going to work on something and come up with my own adjustments. Yep. You know what? It freaking clicked. And sometimes a coach can get in the way and sometimes a coach can help uh, make a, a player better. And um, Buxton has realized what he needs from his coaches and what he can pull out of himself to be a better offensive player. And you're seeing that right now. We just need to see him on the field more often to show that offense. Yes, we do. Yes, sir. I was curious, uh, you mentioned Montas and Manea. Do you have other names for players if they aren't going to be traded for who the Twins might be in on? There are two pitchers for the Reds. Uh, Luis Castillo, who's got a really nice arm. And there's a second pitcher on that rotation, in that rotation, too, who could be available as the season goes along. You know, like I said, the Reds were borderline in fire cell mode um, for a while there during uh, once the lockout ended. And I, I can see those two guys being moved uh, maybe before the deadline. But other than the A's and the, and the Reds guys, I haven't heard of too many other guys who are going to be, be available. You have to let the season play out sometimes. I would love for the Twins to address this before opening day, but sometimes you, you, just, you can't force it unless you want to sacrifice your whole farm system to get one guy. So you're going to see, uh, you're going to see this play out probably to the trade deadline. And more teams will may, may, may be in sell mode by then. And more arms will be become known. And the interesting thing is with more playoff spots available, you wonder if that's going to affect the number of teams willing to trade at the deadline. There'll be more teams that are going to consider themselves contenders. Yeah, that stinks. I mean, I always like baseball because good teams make the playoffs, mediocre teams don't. And I like the fact they didn't have half the league make the postseason, but we're headed in that way. And trust me, next CBA, it's probably going to grow to 14 teams. Yep. You know, because it's in the, the TV contract with the, with the Major League Baseball. They have to, as soon as they go to 14 teams, in the postseason, the owners get another $100 million. So they're going to be working toward that. Um, 
I, I, I always like laughed at NBA and, and the NHL for the number of teams that make the postseason. And, but now the Twins are headed, I mean, sorry, MLB is headed in that direction as well. Did you have a follow-up? Well, uh, yes. You mentioned how you're annoyed with starting pitching the way it is and how middle relievers are the way it is. But with expanded rosters for April and having a lockout, how many middle relievers that can go two or three innings do you think they'll carry at the start of the year? And on, yeah, the scary part about that 28-man roster, that they did not put any limitations uh, on how many pitchers can be part of that 28-man roster. You may see teams with 16 pitchers and 12 position players uh, starting the season. And you have to remember, too, we're condensing spring training in three weeks, and usually there's time. There's some teams that have their pitchers ready to throw 110 pitches right off the bat. Uh, the Twins are a little more uh, reserved. They like to get their guys to like 80 or 85, you know, but... Um, because things are condensed, you're going to see maybe pitchers get pulled after 70, 75 pitches and go straight to the bullpen just because of how helter-skelter this spring, spring train is being played out. So the first buff could be kind of ugly in terms of uh, the revolving door in the bullpen and players moving up and down. I, I've, I actually have a counterpoint on the playoffs. I mean, I understand the traditional view, hey, the 162-game season is to prove who the real best teams are, and then you have this tournament at the end to see who's good in a short format. I think as soon as you start adding wildcard teams, you might as well expand it. And because I've covered so many twin seasons where it's over by May or June, and the rest of the games mean absolutely nothing, and the team knows it can't get back in contention, and it just becomes a minor league season. I want every team to have as much incentive to try to contend as possible. And I would like to see them actually shorten the regular season and go ahead and extend the playoffs. Well, I think Rob Manfred would love to shorten the season to like 144 games and have half the league make the postseason. Yeah, and, and I think that's where we're at. they can get more money out of the television station networks because of that. Yeah. So I, I still am not fired, fired up about having the prospect of a team that's hovering around 500 uh, playing the postseason because in most cases those are going to be probably smaller market teams um, that are just going to get overwhelmed in the first round. Although you may have a team once in a while kind of break through, but uh, and you may have you know I say that I still remember the Washington Nationals were horrible through May uh, of the year they won the World Series and they got on a roll, were able to get in the postseason as a wild card, I believe, right? Yeah, and hey, the '87 Twins won 85 regular season games. I mean that that's. They, they were just lucky they played in a bad division that year. Otherwise, they wouldn't have had any chance to be in the playoffs. And then they won the World Series with two starting pitchers. So, you know, weird things can happen if you get it in the tournament. That's true. That's true. I will admit that. All right. Uh, give us another dose of knowledge about 11 well spirits here. Oh, man. Well, like I said, it's worth taking the tour of the distillery here just to see the whole network here and the barrels they have and – that's why I like the barrel-aged rum. It's so, so delicious because of how they're keeping it in, in, in certain barrels here. Um, it's a great vibe here, just being able to sit here and chill with your friends. Um, I like the fact that it's like there's no music or no noise. You could just uh, have the sound of voices as a background here. I just think it's a really cool place to hang out and, uh, and sample some great spirits. And once again, I'm leaving with a bottle of Minnesota 13 before tonight's over uh, <laughs> because I really, like, I really like that whiskey. So... Um, and they have, great, they have great specialty cocktails on that menu. Um, I'm an old-fashioned guy. They make a wonderful old-fashioned here. My so, wife's having one right now. Yes, yep. I would totally recommend that. And um, 
but there's a lot of things you can just try out here and enjoy the ambiance and enjoy the flavor of these fine whiskeys. So we have a few more things to give away. Uh, we have a few minutes left in the show. Let's hit some other. Oh, here we go. Uh, my question's for Lavelle. Other than Brian Buxton, who's your pick to click? Oh, I you know what? I always take. It's a good question. This this thing started years and years ago, yes, it and did. I actually picked the guy that Tom Kelly was mad at and didn't allow him on the roster. Uh, the, By the way, before was, Lavelle <laughs> goes any farther, I we all really noticed that Lavelle's first two or three pick to clicks like almost died. It's like they ended up in ambulances like five minutes after he picked them. It was, it was, a, it was pretty funny for a while there. Everybody, Lavelle picked a click. They, had, they struggled to hold on to their lives. Uh, That's so true. There I think you've year, gotten better. There was a year where I had Doug McCavish as my pick to click, and we're in the clubhouse after a spring training game. And uh, the whole subject came up, and Suhan was like, yeah, Lavelle picked you as pick to click. You better have a rubber suit this year. <laughs> 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 I distinctly remember that. I've gotten better in recent years. I, you, I usually wait to the last home game to make my selections. I will reserve judgment, final judgment, until I get down there. But, I, you know, uh, I'm not going to pick Buxton as my pick to click. I think I'm going to go to Kepler uh, just because he's got so much ground to gain after last year. And it looks like right now he's making some adjustments in spring training. Uh, he should be hitting way better than he is. Um, he's a good out defensive outfielder, a fielder, and he's a guy who could be a 30 home run, 20 stolen base guy. So before I get down there and see games, I would probably have Kepler as my pick to click among position players, and I would probably go – the pitching pitch, pick to click is so much tougher uh, just because of the players are choosing from. So I can pick the low upside, the, the low risk, high upside guy in Dylan Bunding and say, Bunding's going to be a, a, a rotation stalwart, you know. But uh, give, me, give me my time when I get down there to kind of observe things and talk to some people. And then I'll, I'll, I'll announce my uh, picks to click either uh, in the paper, online, or on social media. Or all the above, probably. Yes. Probably. Uh, we still have a T-shirt, a jersey, and a $25 gift certificate giveaway, as well as the, make sure I get it right, the straight wheat whiskey. Last call for live questions. I'm going to hit you for, with, on a couple of other topics here. Uh, feel free to come up. Oh, we, oh they're, they're coming up, Lavelle. We, here we go. Yeah, Tim, yes, you sir. grab something. That's XL. You can, you can wear that. The division. Can you talk about who's going to be good, where people are going to land, where, you know, just prediction-wise, where are the Twins going to land in the division? Uh, the White Sox. Feel free to grab whatever you like. The White Sox look dangerous. Um, they added Joe Kelly, and they have Craig Kimbrell, they have uh, the crotchet kid who throws 95. Thank you. They have the other kid that throws 100. Um, and Liam Hendricks is closer. They've got flat out, they have a fire-breathing bullpen that is going to be uh, hard to crack if they're leading late in games. You're making someone in the crowd very happy right now. My brother is still yes. a White Sox fan. So, <laughs> uh, um, Luis Robert is going to be a pain in the Twins' asses for years in center field. Um, you know, Mankata is a good player. Tim Anderson is going to enjoy beating the Twins for years. Uh, it, it's just a really solid team with a solid offense. And if their starting rotation holds up and stays healthy, um, the White Sox are the favorite to win the division. Detroit is going to be better under A.J. Hinch. Uh, they made a couple of nice moves. I think Javi – is it Javi Baez there? They, 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 they got one quality infield addition during the offseason. Um, they got young pitchers who are getting more experience. Um, they got a decent bullpen. 
And um, Hinch has had a great effect on that team uh, ever since he got hired. Uh, the Indians, they're a team that's going to be offensively challenged, but that damn rotation with, with Shane Bieber at the top of it is going to be tough to crack. And the Royals are going to get a little bit better. They got a couple of big-time prospects coming up in Bobby Witt Jr. Um, and uh, they've got some, they got some talent too, but it's going to probably be a couple years for them. But I, I would go White Sox. I, I think the Tigers have a chance to sneak in a second. I just... Cleveland can't hit. They, their offense is not good. Um, but good pitching could cover up for weaknesses elsewhere. If they can win their share of 3-2, two, 2-1 two, games, you know, they'll be hovering around uh, 500. It'll be a little bit better. So who's the guy? Did you find Javi Baez. It is yeah. Javi Baez yes. that they, they added during Their lineup that. doesn't look bad right now. No, it doesn't. And um, Miguel, Robbie Grossman is probably going to bat second. Miguel Cabrera is... 30 hits away from 3,000 for his career. I think that's right. He's closing in. He's closing in on the 3,000 hit mark. Um, you know, he's already hit 500 home runs, so he's he's a Hall of Famer in in, in waiting. Um, they got some other quality players there. Heimer, Heimer Candelero. Um, I think they let Nico Goodwin go, which is is too bad. But um, yeah, I think I think the Tigers right now would be. The, I didn't, so he's asking where I want the Twins to fit in. I think the Twins, especially if they can get another starting pitcher, because could be over 500, would we'll put them at least third and maybe second in the division. I don't think they're built to win the division. But, but um, if, they, if they can get another starter sooner than later, that would really help their cause. Yes, sir? Uh, do you expect there to be any sort of blowback uh, uh, at Korea for the cheating scandal, or are we also hor horrified by the Deshaun Watson deal that uh, we've just kind of shrugged our shoulders at that? <laughs> it does put things in perspective, <laughs> yeah, it does, doesn't it? Does, yes. It does. It definitely does. Um, I think there'll be some initial blowback, but it won't be as, ex as extensive as it was last year. I mean, each year we get, uh, each year they get away from that, that moment, you know. I think the blowback's going to start to decrease. And Correa has, admit has admitted that mistakes were made, and they're moving forward. And I think he was a good player before that started, and he was a good player afterwards. The man I met, Carlos Beltran started that crap. He got in that clubhouse and started... Uh, saying we can do this, and no one stopped him. And, and I love Carlos Beltran. I covered him when he was like coming up through the Royal system. So, and he was a good hitter then. I, he doesn't need a trash can. Uh, so I was just really disappointed by how the whole thing transpired. But I think you may hear some things at the beginning, uh, especially on Twitter. The Twecklers will, will be cracking jokes about, about Correa. But uh, I think as the season goes along, that stuff will die down. I know for me, uh, you know, I, I hammered the Astros when they were in town for the playoffs, and I, it's like, I'm still offended by it, but I just have nothing left to say. Yeah. You know, I'm just, I'm just out of bullets. So. Yeah. And I'm a Dusty Baker fan. I actually want to I see Dusty, Dusty do Baker. well. Yeah, I think it's fantastic. He walks in, and the Astros start playing well. You know, it yeah. just tells you some guys just have the, have the gift. He, he's a great manager, no doubt. Feel free to grab another uh, gift if you'd like. Um, Hey, thanks for coming out. We appreciate it. Thanks to Eleven Wells for hosting us, for sponsoring the show. We do appreciate it. We keep growing the network at TalkNorth.com, and uh, we appreciate everyone who listens or, or bothers to show up to, uh, to heckle or twackle us. Uh, <laughs> you have any final thoughts, Lavelle? Uh, I just, it's great to be in this setting, and we got a bunch of great questions, and uh, there's people who care about baseball here, and, and, and that's fantastic. And there was a lot of great things that happened in the Twin Cities sports scene Last week, after Korea signed, the Wild made a bunch of great moves to fortify their playoff chances, and the Vikings actually signed a decent linebacker. Um, but the fact that uh, you know the Twins have sold 100,000 tickets since Korea signed 
is, a, is evidence that uh, how much people care about baseball in this town and like talking baseball. And that's why we're here with the uh, Tim Music uh, Podcast. So thank you to everybody. Please give Lavelle a hand. And likewise for Jim Suhan. Oh, stop. <laughs> <laughs>